To win, yeah, I'd be lying if I told you I was anything but weak. Right now, my struggle's all I see. But I'm not giving in, my story will not end in defeat. Cause nothing can stop an unstoppable God, He's not. 
with a lie that says it can't be done I know my war's already won And I'm claiming victory Cause I know who's fighting for me Nothing can stop an unstoppable God He's not afraid of impossible odds This is the promise that I have giants in our lives and those mountains that seem immovable. But we have learned worship is our battle cry in the midst of the fight. That the name of Jesus is our anthem and there's no greater, higher or stronger name than that. For at his name, every giant will fall.
What is your plan to pick up your Bible and your laminated cards and your old book and then get in your Bible and find your place? What is your plan? Oh, I got it. I got it. All is well. All is well. I love the story of the guy who would go to work and he'd open up his lunch and he'd complain. He said, oh, 
bologna sandwich again. I got a bologna, a bologna sandwich again. This is the fourth time this week I've had a bologna sandwiches. I hate bologna sandwiches. And the guy beside me says, Heal, heal. I hate cheap music stands. Especially when they interrupt my story. I'm right in the middle of a great story. Look at this, Todd. Could, could you talk to your dad about this? I mean, we just... Oh, give me my, give me the rubber band. Thank you. <laughs> oh, am I getting the story now? Oh. You gotta get something you can depend on. There's a backup. Thank you. The message is on attitude. And I'm doing my best. I'm just doing my best. Just doing my best. You know the guy with the bologna sandwich? Forget it. Just forget it. You've got to come to tomorrow's service. I'm not saying it tonight. I am not saying it. I will say it tomorrow. Okay, so the title of the first half of my sermon is The Free Life. And you saw how he went through a few trials in that beginning part. And that's a giant mega church. You know, they can afford a music stand that actually works or use one that actually is tight enough. And so I want to talk about attitude, like you said, because I think we have to acknowledge what our attitude is to our circumstances. There is a clear difference between happiness and joy. And 
See, when we look at happiness, happiness is a contingent emotion on our circumstances. It can change. When something goes wrong, it's immediately going to change to stress or anger and anxiety or something. But I want us to look at this idea of joy. What is joy? Now, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and all the other ones that are very important. In a situation, we're in a grocery store or something, and we're trying to go really fast. Can't we choose to be patient with the person in front of us? When we're in an argument or we want to have something accomplished and it's not happening, can't we choose to be patient, to be peaceful about it? When we're trying to be too active about something, can't we choose self-control? So then why, when it comes to joy, do we struggle with choosing joy in our everyday life, in our everyday circumstances? Aren't we trying to live the life that we love? We're all trying to love life in some capacity, but aren't we trying to all make it the best, no matter what that happens? So, we're going to look into Psalm 16. This is the first verse. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. This is the very first verse. And the last verse is really what matters in this chapter. But keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. In you I take what? Refuge. Refuge is not just a word of, oh, you take me here. It's a much stronger word. When we think refuge, we think someone who's been through extreme grief, extreme trial. And so he is our refuge. And he's not only taking us out of refuge, so he's not only saving us, but he's putting us in a safe place. And as short as this verse is, I think just the way it's worded means so much and let it sink into us. Verse 2. I have said, you are my Lord. Every good thing I have is a gift from you. We all have so many different talents in our lives. Some of us are singers, athletes, tech people like myself. And have we acknowledged what our gifts are? Do we spend so much of our time trying to fight and be jealous of what others have? Why can't we spend our days looking and saying, thank you, God. I know that everything I currently have is sufficient for me because you gave it to me. And it is a gift from him. So why don't we use our gifts to help others? Because not everyone's going to have the same gift. So when they have a different gift, don't stand there and be jealous of them. Look at them and think, okay, how can your gift help me? And how can my gift help you? And jump over to verse 5. You, Lord, are all I want. You are my choice, and you keep me safe. I mean, this is the same thing. But we're looking at the word choice in this verse. You are my what? Choice. I think all of us in this room have chosen at one time or another to choose the salvation of God. And that's a one-time thing. But are we choosing to let Him work in our everyday life? To let Him work every single day? See, the verse in Revelations is, I stand at the door and knock, he answers, I will come in. But that's just for salvation. What if that verse also applies to every single day? He's trying to come back in, he's trying to let us have joy, he's trying to give us peace, he's trying to show us how to love each other. He's here every day with us through every circumstances, no matter what we're going through. 
The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. This is a changing verse. The boundary lines are the words that I want to focus here. Are you living in the boundary lines that God has set for you? He has a plan for your life. He has a good plan for your life. Are you living in that life? See, a lot of times we can stand and we can look out in our future and we can have hope. Hope, which is the attitude of something that's greater to come. Are we standing here and we're looking out and we're seeing hope? But so many times do we land up looking out the sides and we see, oh, that looks like more fun. Or that seems like someone's having a better time than me. So these boundary lines, even though we might be looking to the side of these boundary lines that God has set for us in faith, we can see something that might look better now. But this hope, this hope of a better future, a hope of a heaven that's to come, this is what we should be chasing after. Not the things on the side of us, not the things that Satan's trying to distract us from. Psalm 16, 7. I praise you, Lord, for being my guide, even in my darkest night, your teachings fill my mind. Are any of you in your darkest night right now? I faced mine in your high school age. Are you in your darkest night right now? Are you trying to put on such a great face, a poker face? Is it working for you? Because there is a way that we can get through every circumstance. This verse says it in the second word. I praise you, Lord. So are you going through your circumstances... And you're moping around about it. Are you waking up in the morning and saying, yesterday was a terrible day, so today's got to be just as terrible because that's the state my life in? Or are you saying, are you going to bed and you're saying, joy comes in the morning? Are you waking up and you're saying, thank you, Lord, for the sun outside. Thank you for it being a new, fresh day. When was the last time you even thought about starting the day with God and thought starting the day on a positive aspect instead of, just looking at yesterday. The past is in the past. It's done. So stop focusing on it as much and focus on the positive things in life, the things that are going to help you move on and get you to a better place. See, I think that we have these giant Goliaths in our life. And there's six of them that I want to mention. We have the Goliath of fear, rejection, addiction, Anger, comfort, and control. Are any of these gripping your life right now? Are any of these taking hold and you're trying to get out of it? Which one of these is putting a wall between you and God, between you and your dreams, between you and your future? I think a lot of us can relate to many of these. I've seen all of these in my life. And a few of them really stick out to me. But I have good news. Because Goliath must fall. See, this is a book from Louis Giglio. I'm reading it right now, and it's amazing. Goliath must fall. When he was choosing the name for this book, he went through Goliath might fall. Goliath may fall. Goliath will fall. Goliath possibly might fall. And then he realized who he was living with. See, we're supposed to be in a relationship. I have this other chair over here. 
who's sitting in this chair for you? Because in faith, in our Christian faith, isn't it supposed to be God right here? He's supposed to be our friend. See, John Maxwell, the person in that video, almost every time in his most recent sermons, he walks up to his place and he says, my friends, my friends. Isn't that what we're supposed to be with God? We're supposed to be walking with God. But see, when we get so detrailed and detrained in our life that we don't follow the exact path that we're supposed to be walking in, how easy is it for one of these to slip into place? See, we have one negative thought, and we're already in fear. We've already let that giant sit down in our seat. And now we're walking in fear, we're walking in rejection, we're walking in addiction, we're walking in anger, comfort, and without control. And we don't even know it until it's a Goliath. And so we're going to go into the story of David and Goliath. And I'm going to focus on a few different points that I think is so overlooked because we're so used to the childhood story of everything. Instead of looking at the actual inside story. And sometimes the details that are missed. So, David and Goliath. It's in 1 Samuel 17, and we don't need to turn there. But I want to take note. The first four verses of that chapter are all describing the giant. He spends four verses just describing how big this giant is, how powerful this giant is, how much effort he's put in to get where he is. And four verses, that's a lot of verses to spend just describing something bad. But I think we can't overlook that. We actually have to focus on that and realize, okay, if David's Goliath was that big, then how complex could our giant be, our Goliath be, if we don't tame it too early? So, verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. See, David was just a shepherd boy. He was just this bottom in the totem pole, kind of a nobody at this point. His brothers came home, he came back with food, and he figured out about this Goliath guy. And he went to Saul and he said, hey, I'm not really here to fight Goliath myself. I'm coming with a God who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and I believe that he will defeat him. He didn't come and say, you know, I'm coming with this great almighty God, and I think he has enough power to save us. I, he might have enough power. See, he will have enough power. And there's a really interesting thing about this word will, because I've looked at over 50 translations and versions of the Bible, Every single one uses this word will. This will that is defiant, this dominant word that says there's not an option about it. Your Goliath is going to fall. Your Goliath must fall. So he, go, he goes ahead and he fights that battle. And when he gets down there, he, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He comes against him in what? Not with a sword, not with anything else. We all know the story, and the next verse talks about it. We all know the story that he comes with a sling and a few stones from the river nearby. 
In reality, he's coming in the name of the Lord Almighty. He's coming with his giant, with his God. He is coming to fight, not himself, but using that power of God. He didn't think that he could fight him alone, but he knew that the God who had saved him before could save him again. If God has saved you in your salvation, then what's stopping you from letting him save you in your current circumstances, from saving you from your darkest night? So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. There was no sword. We know later that he cut his head off with a sword. But the only thing that would take Goliath down, especially when he walked up with a stone, had to be this mighty power. It had to be this power that is greater than you and has to be greater than the giant in front of you. So he knew that there was no sword in his hand, but he knew that the sword was the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to jump back to Psalm now. Psalm 8. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at right, my right hand, I will not be shaken. Are you keeping your eyes on the Lord all the time? I know it's really hard to do that. And that's why we have this idea of joy. We have this idea of praise. Because for those three seconds, those three words that we're saying, I praise you, I thank you, you are amazing, we're now completely focused on God instead of our circumstances. And see, no matter what's going on in your circumstances, we can feel like we're in our darkest night. We can feel like we're at our weakest point. But he's at his strongest. God is at his strongest. God was at his strongest from the beginning of the Bible to when he fought David to when Jesus died to today. He's still at his strongest. Now, what's really cool about this image is our side of the story is in darkness. We're towards the bottom. We're in the dark text. But God is in the light. And this is a really cool thing to look at. When we start to let him control our lives, when we start to praise him, when we start to acknowledge all the things that he's done... He raises us. And we come to the light side. See, we were in the dark side. And now we're on the light side. And now only a little darkness prevails. Because there's always going to be a little. We're human. We have free will. That's always going to be there. But we have all this light to know. All this positivity to love and adore. Therefore my heart is glad. And my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you have not abandoned me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful, O Holy One, see decay. My heart is glad. When was the last time your heart actually jumped for joy? See, the thing is, the joy of the Lord is supposed to be our strength. Are you letting it be your strength? Or are you forgetting about it because our lives are so negative sometimes? Are you being thankful for what you have? See, in Philippians, he talked about rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Philippians, the book about Paul being in jail, being in bonds, having a wall surround him. He's able to talk about joy 19 times. 
Are you able to talk about joy 19 times before even mentioning your sorrows to someone else? Are you spreading this idea of loving everyone and being joyful and being positive? Or are you still focusing on all the negative Goliaths in your life? What are you focusing on? And this is where you can get the perspective shift. See, we have this knowing that God is always wanting something better. He is always up to something good, whether or not we actually understand it. So are we sitting here, are we looking at our giant and going, oh no, this seems kind of rough, this seems kind of hard? Or are we taking a step and we're seeing, for some reason, my God seems to be able to see only positivity in me. He doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see all the bad things in me. He only sees the good things. He forgets about my past. He forgets about all the trials. He loves me no matter what I've done. So why don't we step over here? We step into joy. We step into his grace, his forgiveness. We forgive ourselves. We start loving more. And then we understand that life really is worth living. We're not supposed to go through life all boring and sad. We're supposed to go through life loving life. We're supposed to enjoy every single moment. And the best way we can do that is with God in our lives. See, there's no impossible with Him. There's no impossible with you, God. See, there's no height that you can't rescue. There's no war that you can't win. There's no story so over that it can't start again. No pain that you won't use. No wall that you won't break through. It might be too much for me, but there's no impossible with him. He is an unstoppable God. Do you understand that? Do you get that? I mean, it's hard for us to get, but there's three really interesting examples in the Bible. See, Moses and the Israelites and Joshua, they were trying to get to the promised land. Took them 40 years. We can look at David and Goliath here, and we can realize it took them 40 days until David got there with his ultimate God. We can look at Joshua in the Battle of Jericho and realize he had to march around that wall praising. He didn't want to praise. He didn't want to do anything. All the men didn't want to do anything. But they still praised. They blew their trumpets. They made a joyful noise to glorify God because they had an ultimate trust that even though it seemed impossible, I mean, they literally had a wall with houses inside of it, but they still understood they have a God that is greater than them, a God that is bigger than their fears, bigger than their walls. And so they marched around that wall seven times, and then it finally came down. So this concept of living in joy it's going to take you a while until you see. See, a lot of our lives, we think we become Christian. Everything's easy in an instant. No, what it's really setting up is it's setting up these boundary lines, these lines that allow us to live in a better place. We can see things that seem more fun in the moment, but we're looking at things that seem better, that are better. So these boundary lines have fallen in welcome places. That's how Chris Tomlin words it in the song. Fallen in welcome places, places that we want to be, 
ultimately, we have earthly things that pull us back and try to take us and remove us and put a giant in our seat. But we have these guidelines that give us a promise. See, God gave us a promise and he won't stop now until he completes it. He has it in the Bible that he's going to come back. We're trying to just get through life without understanding that. We're trying to get through and understand that, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to see him come back, but I can make today good. I can choose to be joyful, to choose to go out with a smile, to have this perspective shift that puts me in a better place naturally. And from there, we're already out of our circumstance. Our circumstance isn't just going to disappear, but we can come to this idea of are we looking at it negatively or directly? Or are you looking at it through the lens of God, the lens of praise? Are you praising over everything in your life? Are you praising over his creation? Are you praising over your friends? Are you praising over your church? Are you praising over your family, your school? Are you praising? And this goes not just in music praise, but this means actually giving out this joy, this energy, this excitement. Because if you're not excited about God, how are you going to get others to be excited about God? We're not meant to live this dismal life. We're meant to live with a passion, a joy, every single step. See, I'm going to see a victory in my life because I know that the battle already belongs to the Lord. See, David already knew that God would take care of that battle. And when he died on the cross, he took all our battles down with him. He's already fought them. So are you going to actually embrace that idea that your battle's already fought, that's already won, and are you going to see a victory? That's what I want to ask. Are you going to see a victory today because you know that the battle is God's? Do you know that his power is greater than yours will ever be? Or are you going to keep on sitting back, questioning everything, judging everything, and letting it Walk with God, live in his boundary lines, choose joy. You have to make an effort every single day to choose joy. And as soon as you decide to choose something for God, you're going to have to tell the devil, no, not today. No, not today. Today is for Jesus. Today is for something better. Today is not going to be about my sorrow, my past, my hurt, my pain. It's all going to be there still. Joy doesn't remove your pain. It just allows you to focus on something so you can get through it easier. We're really just trying to get to that end. We're trying to get to that ultimate hope. And that's going to be really hard for some of us. And it might take us years, it might take us months, it might take us days. But we're all trying to get there. So why don't we enjoy our way along the way? See, it's okay not to be okay. It's how we live the journey. It's the journey that we live. Doesn't matter the things inside of us, behind us, around us, culture coming at us in all different directions. It's how we live the journey. Are you living your journey for Christ? For the joy of the Lord that is the strength within you? Or are you living it for the world? Living it for that fleeting pleasure? 
can live in the freedom of knowing he's already taking care of it. He might take a little while to actually reveal and open up that wall for you, but you're already living in the free life. Are you going to choose to see that free life? Are you going to choose to live freedom? Or do you choose to keep living the same way? Choose to keep on in this path that takes you down and down. We're supposed to be living up here at our strongest, at our joyest with God. Not down here. In the pit. So it's the free life that we're supposed to be living. A life of joy. So choose joy. This is the one verse that I have put up and really it's the most important out of the entire group that I have. It's the last verse of Psalm 16. And this is my life verse. It came last year when I was really in a dark place. In your presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence is fullness of joy. When you're with Him is fullness of joy. And He has at His right hand all of the pleasures. And those boundary lines are all the pleasures that you're ever going to need. So keep walking. We'll hit them eventually. Keep going. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. Out here beyond these lines, you're not going to have this fullness. My partial joy. And really, it's only partial happiness. But in these lines, you're going to get to this fullness of joy. And if you believe you have joy, you'll start to live.
darkness runs away And only what lives in the light can stay When the light comes, nothing left to hide So come out of the darkness and turn on the light Come out of the darkness and turn on the light There's a place in my heart only I have seen It's filled with my failures and broken dreams But there's nothing that's broken that you can't mend Let this be the day that I let you